0: a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jakey Van Stratton.
1: Thank you so much, Helen. Wonderful to see you.
0: Nice to see you, Jakey.
1: It's particularly wonderful to see you because uh, you've been public on social media about a medical thing that you went through. And I wanted to see if you wanted to uh, let our listeners know a little bit about that as well.
0: Yes, I have been uh, dropping my saga on Instagram mostly about my breast cancer journey. So I, I discovered that I had breast cancer. At the time of this recording, like two months now, and um, when you have active cancer, obviously it's like very shocking and sudden and unexpected, but you got to like kind of move on it as fast as possible. So in the last two months, I found out I had cancer, I decided to get a double mastectomy, with immediate reconstruction, I've done all that. I am cancer free. I'm very, very happy to say.
1: Yay! And, and I've gone
0: full Hollywood in that I now have fake boobies <laughs> not... that I did. I never intended, but yeah. here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, not exactly the route uh, you probably had expected into getting uh, fake boobies. But uh... I was
0: like, you know, someday I'll go full Hollywood. and yeah. I'll do a whole. I'll do a whole top to bottom tune up and get things pinched and tucked and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a someday thing, but. Yeah. My boobies were like, no, we're out of here now.
1: Oh, man. So. <laughs> well, uh, my goodness, what a relief. It's so happy to hear you uh, laugh and smile about it because I, I imagine <laughs> that must have been very scary. Uh, is there a takeaway from this that uh, might be helpful to people as Absolutely, far as? Absolutely, yeah.
0: 100%. My cancer was discovered at stage zero, which is. When you want to find it. Yeah. Because I just, I, I felt something that I had never felt before in my body. I felt like a marble in my armpit, which I got checked out immediately. Turns out the marble in my armpit was nothing, it was like an inflamed lymph node. But because I was getting screened in my other boob, where wow. I didn't feel anything, was where the cancer was hiding. My takeaway to everyone listening, you know, male or female or, you know, any gender, just anything that's changed in your body. Get it checked out. Yeah. ASCP. Don't drag your feet. Don't be like, oh, it's just something, whatever. Like, I'll just take an Advil or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like, don't drag your feet on it. Get it checked out yeah. immediately.
1: Listen yeah. to your body. Don't make assumptions. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure I speak for all of our listeners. And I'm going to guess your family and friends uh, when I say <laughs> we're so happy that it worked out and to, to you. see you smiling and happy again.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I'm, I'm healing with my new boobies. And uh, maybe now this is this is when I start my OnlyFans account. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, the, the happiest ending imaginable All right, well today on Go Fact Yourself Two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know Facts they might not know And frankly, facts they should know Plus we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show Let's get started and meet today's guest Helen, Who is up first
0: He is a writer, performer, and teacher Who created and hosts the hit podcast Risk It's Kevin
1: Allison Hello, Kevin Allison Hello, thank you Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's so wonderful to see you again. Risk is such a fantastic show. Your tagline for a long time has been, Risk is where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share in public. Now, some of those people are actors and comedians, like some of our previous guests, Margaret Cho, Rachel Dratch, Maria Bamford, Paul F. Tompkins. But many of the people you have are not accustomed to appearing on stage. So what do you know, civilians, I guess, get out of sharing their secrets on stage <laughs> with the public? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of the times it's like narrative therapy, really. We have a whole team
2: of coaches that help people prepare their stories. It can be a really like cathartic experience for both us and them. You know, a lot of people say that after they've shared a story on the show, I don't know. They just feel better. You know, they feel more complete about
1: something. Mm. There's a saying that we're we're as sick as our secret, so uh, Mm -hmm. you can get healthier by sharing them. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that kind of coaching. How do you get people ready to share something that they'd never wanted to say before in front of strangers?
2: You know, it's funny. I literally just created this thing, a guided meditation for storytellers. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah, this thing where you can just like listen to me kind of help you go back into a particular memory. And start to remember, okay, what was I wearing? What was the temperature? You know, how, how did it feel inside my body? You know, all these kind of sensory things, just like actors
1: use mm-hmm. can be really, really helpful. Uh, you take submissions and pitches for the shows that you have. Um, and one of the things that you ask is that the experience be highly unusual. After so many shows, what, what is the bar for unusual now?
2: Oh, well, you know, I thought for the longest time we would be able to say that our cannibalism story was maybe our strangest. (laughs) But now I guess I can say our other cannibalism story
3: (laughs) is maybe our strangest.
2: Cannibalism
0: never gets old, I tell
3: you. You just just
0: never quite get used to cannibalism.
1: A surefire hit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, another show where they ate human flesh. All right, I guess we'll put it on. Uh, In addition to the wonderful show that you put on in the book, of course, that came out of risk, you are the founder and lead instructor of the Story Studio, which is a storytelling school where you coach performers, but you also help companies tell their own story, which I found really interesting. I actually watched a lot of the videos that you use for companies. Are there some of the same techniques for telling a company stories as for telling a deeply personal story? yeah that's the thing. Once you go into like the corporate culture, you have to remind
2: people to speak like human beings. That's nice. <laughs> and a lot of it is just about taking the data, taking all the systems and processes and just all that factual information, and remembering to get into the human beings that were affected by it all, to show people mm. having emotions about those systems and data processing and all that kind of thing
0: Wow you need to do Facebook and Google and some of these big companies that are ruining all of our lives and sort of oh get them back to their humanity
2: <laughs>
1: yeah holy cow yeah they've got a lot of stories to tell a lot of people remember you from one of the classic sketch comedy shows the state which was on MTV uh, I had you and Michael Ian black Carrie Kenny David Wayne a bunch of other very talented people uh, you actually got to do a reunion last year a little bit of a silver lining during the the pandemic tell us about what that was like oh my god it was so ridiculous so there was a sketch we did called porcupine
2: racetrack which was a fake broadway musical number only all of us just locked in our homes and it was so funny because i knew that so many other members of the state like still do a lot of sketch comedy Mm -hmm. whereas i haven't done it in a long time so i don't have a lot of wigs or costumes (laughs) (laughs) But then I thought, wait a minute, as a kinky person, I have a lot of very bizarre things that I can wear, so why don't I just turn my character into like a BDSM leather daddy and (laughs) No explanation behind it. And people
1: loved it. It really is amazing to watch because it's not only a wonderful comedic achievement, it really is an amazing technical achievement because you guys are harmonizing and doing choreography and you realize, oh, no, each of them is just on their individual Zoom camera. It was really cool. (laughs) very silly Uh, Kevin it's so wonderful to see you again and wonderful to have you on our show Kevin Allison everybody all right Helen against whom will Kevin be competing
0: she is a writer and podcaster who served as editor-at-large at Media Matters for America and now runs the newsletter blog and podcast The Present Age it's Parker Malloy hello Parker Malloy hello
1: hello Oh, it's so wonderful to meet you. I first got to know you on Twitter because I love the mix that you have. You've got politics, you've got media, you've got baseball, you've got pets. Uh, And I actually saw in one of your bios that you were described as everyone's first Twitter follow. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Well, well, it's been it's been good as someone uh, who follows you. Has it been good for you? What, What sort of your philosophy on how best to use Twitter without going insane?
4: Oh, I I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's oh, possible. Okay. You just,
1: you just accept the insanity. I just
4: I just I, that's part of it. It's just embrace the insanity. Yeah. Embrace the the chaos.
1: Uh, well, your latest project, the present age. Uh, you call it a newsletter about communication in a hyper connected world. Speaking of uh, social media, what exactly do you mean by that? Communication in a hyper connected world.
4: I think a lot about the fact that we are. You know, I I could reach out to a movie star or the president of the united states or mm. anyone literally anyone on the planet and they might write right back to me that's not something that <laughs> could have happened pre social media and that seems like a really cool thing as a kid i would have loved that thinking about mm. you know, getting in touch with athletes but uh now we've kind of seen the 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 f- seen that that's a, a bit of a double edged sword sure so the present age is about connecting, in a time where we're so connected but so apart, which seems uh, appropriate as we're all uh, distance as a result of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, it really it really puts a whole new spin on how we're connected and not connected. How do you weave in the blog and the podcast to the newsletter, which is something people are already familiar about as a, as a Substack type of uh, operation?
4: For a while, I had been debating whether to take the plunge and kind of jump over to doing a newsletter and blog mm-hmm. and decided really to do the do a podcast as the result of the fact that I was recording these interviews anyway as part of a Q and A for the newsletter. So I was like, I should just record these and send them out as a as a uh, podcast. And I I admit that I'm not the most natural speaker. I'm not the most natural verbal communicator, which is part of why I wanted to take on that sort of challenge.
1: Well, uh, before you were doing this newsletter, you've written for The Guardian, The New York Times, Rolling Stone, The Daily Beast, and Vice. And I saw a quote that you gave where you said, uh, as an institution, the press wasn't prepared for 2020, and it's looking even worse for 2024. Why do you think the press wasn't prepared, and what do you think we can do about it? Is it too late?
4: When when it gets down to it, political media, cable news, etc Sunday Sunday shows mm-hmm. are sort of this extremely insiders mm-hmm. venue sort of thing where they're not connecting with what people are actually talking about and there's this push to always have two equally balanced sides that's good sometimes and it's mm-hmm. not good other times right. <laughs> and I feel like we've <laughs> we've kind of gone down that road where you know you have newspapers that will be like the air is now poison
1: is that good? controversial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, what that do the flat earthers think about uh, yeah, world travel? Like, yeah.
4: You know, we've, we've kind of seen this happen with, with some of the more bizarre COVID treatment. Right.
1: So what can we, we do about it? Can you, can you give us a little bit of hope? What can we do?
4: Oh, I think what we can do is we can, you can support local media. You can support your local newspaper. You can support independent publishing. Not everything has to be CNN or Fox news or mm-hmm. MSNBC. You know, see what's going on in your town. And if it's if your paper's not owned by some giant conglomerate, subscribe. And even if it is, maybe subscribe anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about, you cover a lot about what goes on in Washington DC and in New York, but like me, you are a Chicagoan. What do you like about Chicago and about being there?
4: I really like being in the kind of in the middle of everything. Chicago's mm. such a neat little transit hub, like I can make it out west in three or four hours. I can make it out east in an hour or two. It's nice to never have to go on like a six-hour flight, right? Unless I'm leaving the country. So that that's one thing. Food's also pretty good. Weather's terrible, um, but aside from that, yeah. when when climate when climate change. You know, hits hits us all. Us in the Midwest, we're going to be we're going to be sitting there there going, I got my big freshwater (laughs) lake in the backyard. Yes, that's
1: right. You already know what it's like to go from over 100 degrees and humid in the summer to, you know, 30 below and freezing in the winter.
4: Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, builds character. <laughs> it certainly does. Well, you've got a lot of character. We certainly appreciate you joining us today, Parker Malloy. All right, Kevin and Parker, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Kevin, you said you know a lot about the Tao Te Ching, ADHD, and Prince's House Party Playlist. Uh-huh. It's it's You certainly did. Whereas, Parker, you said you know a lot about musicians on the Saddle Creek Records label, Chicago Cubs baseball from 1991 to 2021, (laughs) and the U.S. Senate from 2000 to 2021. lot of ground to cover later on we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics but first we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about it's time to split some hairs with our what's the difference round we'll have one question for each of you each worth up to two points if either of you gives an incorrect answer the other person has a chance to steal your topic today all wet first up is kevin kevin while they might both make you all wet what is the difference between a liquid and a fluid a liquid and a fluid. A fluid, for some reason, that seems to me that like it's got
2: a little more going on in it, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like,
3: like,
1: <laughs> like, like a
2: happening social life, or it's got hobbies. <laughs> I... <laughs> When I think of, like, liquids, I think it can can pretty much just be anything like like H2O, you know, like water or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. a fluid, for some reason, that feels like it's got, like, some important elements in it, you know?
1: Like, uh, more substance to it. Right. Unlike those frivolous liquids. Yes, yes, yes. Wasting our time. All right. Well, we've got Kevin's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Parker, if you don't think he's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think?
4: A fluid is always... A liquid, but a liquid's not always a fluid. I don't know. Oh. That's 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 where I'm going with.
1: Well, it is time to liquefy this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts.
0: Here are the facts. All liquids are fluids, but not all fluids are liquids. Because a liquid is a specific state of matter that occurs between solid and gas. A fluid can be a liquid or a gas.
1: Yes, I think Parker uh, flipped, uh, flipped that distinction. Yeah. That's right, Helen, of course. It's all about that flow. In physics, the study of fluid dynamics encompasses both hydrodynamics, which is a study of liquid in motion, like the flow of water around the hull of a ship, and aerodynamics, which is the study of gases in motion, like the flow of air around the sail of a ship. And for some people, getting on ship leads to seasickness and the creation of lots of fluid dynamics. Helen, how did our guest do in that?
0: I don't think either one of you got that one right, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> no, I think Kevin started to be in the ballpark and then took a turn, and Parker just got that uh, that thing I was, switched up. There. I was as wrong as humanly possible. <laughs> you, you kind of were. You, you had the right yeah. thing to hone in on, but honed in on it in the wrong way. I'm sorry, no points there either of you, but I love to see those smiles on your face nevertheless. All right, up next in All Wet is Parker. Parker, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen?
0: It's from Guy Turk of King George, Virginia. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved.
1: All right. Thank you, Guy Turk. And by the way, great name, Guy Turk. Mm -hmm. All right. Parker, in the topic of all wet, while they are both most useful when they're all wet, what's the difference between a submarine and a submersible? A submarine and a submersible. Uh... I get the feeling you've not come across a lot of either on Lake Uh... Michigan.
4: No, no, not not too many. I'm going to go with uh, submarine uh, can hold passengers while the other one can't. That's my guess. The other
1: one can't. All right. It looks like that was going to be Kevin's guess, too. Kevin, you do have a chance to uh, try to answer if you don't think Parker got it right. What do you think? That was my guess. Okay. (laughs) You want to try to pull something else out?
2: (laughs) I, I can't think what. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe one of them is a fluid also oh <laughs> it could be it one could of them be. has
0: more going on
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well this segment needs to be torpedoed let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts
0: here are the facts both submarines and submersibles are underwater vehicles but the difference is a submarine is fully autonomous carrying or generating its own fuel and steering its own course. A submersible is tethered to something else, usually a bigger watercraft via an actual physical tether or a virtual one that controls it remotely. It's also usually smaller than a submarine.
1: That's right. Now, submarines may seem like a very recent invention, but the first one on record actually dates to 1776. It was made primarily of wood and menacingly named the turtle. Helen, how did our guests do?
0: I don't think either one of you got that one either. No, (laughs) No,
1: but wow, what a close game we have. Helen, what is our score at the end of that first round? At the
0: end of the first round, Kevin Allison has zero points and Parker Malloy has zero points. (laughs)
1: Exciting. (laughs) Yes. Well, those scores are bound to change, we hope, as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, Helen Hong.
5: What, Jay Keith, I'm not Helen Hong.
1: No, who are you? I'm
5: Sarah Rodenbaugh, your fiance. Oh,
1: that's right. We got engaged.
5: That's right.
1: Oh, it was so wonderful to be engaged uh, because not only of our love, but uh, also uh, when we posted on social media, so many people said, oh, is your wedding reception going to be catered by Magic Spoon?
5: Oh my God, my dreams.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, another person said, did you give her a real ring or was it a loop of Magic Spoon cereal? The point is people get that we love Magic Spoon. We sure do. Yeah, we sure do. And right before I proposed, you actually had given me a box of Magic Spoon. And that's how I knew...
5: This was love. This
1: was love. Well, lovers out there, if you're looking for a delicious way to get protein before or after workouts, check out Magic Spoon. It can fit in so well with your New Year's resolutions and with mine.
5: It really does because it has zero grams of sugar, 140 calories... 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. And you get to build your own box. The available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, Uh peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle
1: oh it's so good I
5: can't choose one
1: no and they also have these seasonal flavors we just had gingerbread we had uh, pumpkin chai pumpkin chai chai? are you kidding me
5: yeah I got you the mega bundle for Christmas you did yes six boxes
1: sweetheart
5: go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right and be sure to use our promo code gofact at checkout to save five dollars off your order
1: did you use GoFact?
5: Of course they did. I love her. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So, if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Thank Thank you, you,
1: Magic Spoon. Spoon. How long have you been waiting to do that?
4: forever. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gurrich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed
2: that button back on the day after it broke.
4: We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim
6: Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you.
5: We want little bitty tiny victories.
6: My tiny victory is a tattoo that i added on to this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer
4: free. But my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions
7: off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great.
5: So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen
4: to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun.
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Kevin Allison and Parker Malloy. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van
1: Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Kevin Allison, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Tao Te Ching adhd and prince's house party playlist let's find out a little bit more about each of those first tell us why you chose the dao de ching for one of your topics oh my gosh
2: uh about two years ago i was sitting with my therapist and i said you know i've explored this kind of buddhism and that kind of buddhism and this other kind of buddhism and i never feel like they're like the right fit i, I said I-, I wish i could like take a philosophy but kind of go my own way with it and my therapist mm-hmm. said well you know that's Taoism." And I walked away like, oh, Uh, I went to the bookstore right away, bought a copy of the Tao Te Ching, and ever since then, I've been obsessed with this ancient Chinese philosophy. <laughs> yeah. For, for
1: those who don't know, what, uh, can you give us sort of, what, what would you say is sort of a nugget of the Dao De Ching? Like what, what's its philosophy that uh, speaks to you? You have like an essential nature and that Ooh. a lot
2: of what you have to do is not learn new things necessary, but let go of things. Let go ah. of habits of mind and all this and, and get back to your truest uh, essence. Yeah.
0: I knew it. I knew that sleeping late and never cleaning my room, that's just who I am. There you go. I just need to to embrace that about myself. That's the Tao of (laughs) Helen. (laughs) People have been telling me I'm a slob for years, but this is just my Taoism.
1: Next, Kevin, you said you know a lot about ADHD. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, it's very funny. Several years ago, I told a story on Risk, and a fan wrote in and said, you do realize you have ADHD, no? You know, based on the crazy stuff happening in that story mm-hmm. I told. And I was laughing at the time, and I texted a friend from college, like from way back when. I was like, this is so funny. A fan is telling me I have ADHD. And my friend texted back, you do know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I finally went to a doctor, and had the doctor was like, oh, yeah, you, you've got a big, big case of it. At one point, he said, can you think of nicknames from your childhood? And I said, oh, yeah, my brothers and sisters called me Space Cadet and Spaz. And he said, there's your two archetypes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then finally, Kevin, you chose Prince's house party playlist.
2: (laughs) yeah, this is just a thing. I don't remember where I first saw it, but someone online, maybe it was Boing Boing or something like that, was like, oh my gosh, did everyone know that there's this list that Prince would often bring uh, to people's house parties and be like, here, just play this. And it's just fabulous. It's so much of the kind of music that I just never get tired of, like that Mostly like 70s funk and soul and disco, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's great fun.
1: Fantastic. All right, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about the Dao De Ching, ADHD, and Prince's House Party playlist. Today we're going to quiz you about... Prince's House Party Playlist. Okay, let's see what happens. Yeah.
0: It was it was going to be ADHD, but then we forgot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't find where I wrote my notes down. For those who don't know, uh, The List became famous after uh, an episode of New Girl, uh, the TV show uh, where Prince made a guest appearance on. And I think he had a party on that show and they wanted to make it authentic and so they used those songs. Did you know all of the songs that were on the playlist, Kevin, or were there some discoveries for you? There were definitely discoveries.
2: And since then, I've kind of like discovered more things from those same mm-hmm. artists.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions on your topic. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Parker, do listen closely because you can steal if Kevin gets any of them wrong. Parker, by the way, how much do you know about Prince's house party playlist?
4: Uh, I did not know it existed. So I think- okay. I, I, I
1: not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. All right. Well, well, we'll see if any of those were on the record label that uh, you'd mentioned yeah, as a topic that, uh, you know. if that comes up. All right. Here's question number one for Kevin Allison. The playlist ends quite cleverly with The Thrill Is Gone, which would certainly describe a party after Prince has left. Although the song is often associated with King of the Blues' BB King, the version on this playlist is sung by what Queen of Soul? Aretha Franklin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. You did not need the hint, but Helen, I know you were eager to give that hint. What would that hint have been?
0: If you don't get this right, we'll still try to show you some (laughs) R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Thank you. Thank you. I think I I just pulled a muscle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Parker was dancing to that, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? Fun fact, The Thrill Is Gone was first a hit for its co-writer Roy Hawkins in 1951. Here is question number two. Although the playlist was made in 2013-2014, all of the songs on it are from many years earlier. In what funky decade were all the songs on the playlist originally released? The 1970s. Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct for another point. Fun fact, there's actually at least one song from every year of the 1970s on the playlist, with most of them coming from 1973 and 1974. All right, Kevin, you're rolling right along. Here's question number three. Two songs in a row list the great Bootsy Collins as their artist, but he is actually on three in a row because the song after his two is Rump of (laughs) Steelskin, which he sings on, plays on, and co-wrote. What legendary funk band that Bootsy is a part of is the artist credited with Rump of Steelskin? Parliament. Helen?
0: That is correct. That is correct
1: <laughs> for the point. Fun fact, according to the lyrics, Steelskin quote, got dynamite sticks by the Megatons in his butt. <laughs> 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 End quote. Just a great song title. It is great song title. I mean, great lyrics. Yeah. Yep.
0: And yep. somebody needs a cream for that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we might need to. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to lead to, liquids <laughs> or fluids. But uh, we'll leave, we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> all right, Kevin, you're three for three. You still have your two hints available. Here's question number four. When looking at all of the words in all of the titles in the playlist, which of the following words appears more than twice? Is it I, is, in, love, or baby? You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Okay, sure, I'll take a hint. Helen, how about that first hint?
0: I does not appear more than twice.
2: Okay, um... I'll go with In.
1: Helen?
0: That is correct. Yay! That is correct <laughs> Very <laughs>
1: nice, Kevin. That's right. In appears three times, City in the Sky by the Staple Singer, Lost in Music by Sister Sledge, and Back in Baby's Arms by Alan Toussaint. Uh-huh. You said Lost in Music is your favorite track on No,
2: that? no. The first, the very first track on the whole oh, list, sorry. City in
1: the Sky by the Staple Singers. Yeah. Oof, love it, it. That is, that is, that is a jam. All right, Kevin, you're four for four. Have a chance to go five for five. Okay. Kevin, the playlist has lots of great songs, but not very many mainstream hit songs. In fact, according to our research, only one song on this list ever reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Which song is it?
2: Can I get a hint
1: for that one? Yes, Helen, how about that second hint?
2: It's by
0: the Ohio Players, and the song truly was hot.
2: Okay, uh, I think... Only is that uh, skin tight, Helen?
0: That is not correct. Oh no, no I'm terribly sorry. No,
2: oh, no, 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 no. There's also the, the song Fire by the, uh, the uh, Ohio players.
1: Well, Parker, you get a chance to steal. Do you have any indication what that song is? Oh, I didn't, but now I do. I'm gonna go with Fire, Helen. Is that right? That is correct. Wow, it's amazing that you knew so much about Kevin's topic. We'll see if Kevin knows a lot about yours later on. But that point goes to Parker. Fun fact, the number one song, Fire, is from the number one album, Fire, and was also used as the theme song for the TV show Hell's Kitchen, which was often number one in its time slot. Fire carries a lot of heat. All right, you obviously did very well in that round, Kevin, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <clears throat> We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. All right. Prince's house party playlist came about when characters in a special 2014 episode of New Girl were invited to a party hosted by Prince. When Prince was made aware of the intended plot, he sent the producers a list of songs he played at his real parties. And many of those songs made it into the episode. A couple years after the show aired, someone who worked on the show posted that list to their Facebook page, which is why we know it today. For up to three points. In that special episode, what Shaka Khan song, slightly adapted from a Stevie Wonder track, plays at a very appropriate time when the main character tells her boyfriend she loves him? In what enviable time slot did this special episode air, drawing over 26 million viewers? And what job did the person who posted the playlist have on the TV show? Was it I Was Made to Love? The Shaka Khan? Okay, that's what you're going to say for that one. Okay. Uh, And then the second was what time slot? Uh, Yes. What enviable time slot that drew 26 million viewers did this episode air? uh, 8 p.m. Okay. Uh, And then the third question was... What job did the person who posted the playlist have on the show New Girl? Hmm. Um... Uh, uh, Art Direction? Art Direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an executive producer and showrunner of New Girl and the editor of the Prince episode of New Girl, who first published the Prince House Party playlist. It's Dave Finkel and Steve Welch.
1: Hello, Dave and Steve.
6: Hello. How's it going?
1: It's going great. <laughs> great to see you all. Thank you so much for joining us
6: to see you all, too.
1: Dave, as a little bit of background, you worked as executive producer and showrunner on all 146 episodes of New Girl. Uh, you also have worked on shows that we love, like 30 Rock, the United States of Terra. Uh, Steve, you also worked on New Girl, also on Malcolm in the Middle, Men of a Certain Age, Mr. Show, and on movies like Walk Hard and the wonderful Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, You've got a, <laughs> a a long, wonderful history of uh, making comedy, both of you. Um, and I also understand that you two are pals. Oh,
6: wait, well, we spent a lot of time- Time together,
1: like a lot a lot, yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs>
6: would, would that be in front of an editing machine well one of us was in front the other one was sitting on a couch eating
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> David knows the back of my head very well yeah. so well
1: and uh, Steve I actually understand you had some different roles on that show both, both in the editing world and then uh, as
6: a director right
8: I got to direct um, how many did I do did I do nine seven
6: nine seven, seven like yes yeah, so I was in that range too I, I'd have to look I, I honestly yeah, yeah. don't remember that that is a blurry blurry five years you left left
1: it all in the field huh let's talk a little bit about how each of you came to work on new girl uh dave why don't you go first
6: my partner brett bear and i uh go back a little ways with liz merriweather we we worked on a project with her i i think three or four years prior to new girl and then that project didn't go forward and we went on to be on united states of terror for the entire three years when that show ended, I think I was clearing out my office that day and Liz sent a script saying, well, what do you think about this thing? You like it? And I read it. And it was like, you know, she's a genius. So, of course, we had to do that. And, and the rest is a blurry like, <laughs> pain of mystery. But it was- <laughs> And Steve, what about you?
8: I had just finished working on Walk Hard with Jake Kasdan and Jake uh, directed the pilot of New Girl. And so he brought me mm-hmm. onto the pilot. And uh, he told me it was just going to be a pilot. It'll just be a fun couple of months. Got <laughs> to six years later. Lots of great air.
1: Are you saying that somebody in show business lied to you? <laughs>
8: <laughs> it was partly my choice to stay on because it was a really fun group of people. Oh, that's good. That.
1: That's it great really to hear. That's great to hear. Uh, Well, let's <laughs> talk about this Prince episode. Dave, how did it happen that Prince ended up on an episode of New Girl?
6: Prince originally was supposed to be in an episode in season one called... We wrote a, uh, an episode where everyone talks about how they lost their virginity, mm. and the character of Cece, played by Hannah Simone, is like she she holds back on telling her story over and over again, and she finally like uh, like reveals that it she lost her virginity to Prince. We pitched it to him, and somehow he responded, which shocked us wow. all. And uh, he said the only problem was like I'm I'm you know he's famously religious and didn't want to do something that required his talking about sex. Mm. You you fill in the pieces there. Yeah, uh, he says he says that for everything else in his life. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> L- literally, so that went away. And then when we got tasked with doing the um, a very I won't I won't mention what it was, mm. but a very important episode in season three, uh, it was an immediate thing of like, oh, he said he still wants to do the show, and we asked him, and sure as shit, he said, yeah. <laughs> I think none of us believed he would actually do the show until he was we were actually rolling. He's he's known for. Saying yes to something and they never showing up. Mm. So
1: And uh, what was it like working with Prince? That might be a loaded question, but here we are. You know,
6: in my brain, I had a bunch of different ways. Like, I'm a lifelong Prince fan, mm. massive Prince fan. And so when he showed up, I thought he's either going to show up as Prince or he's just going to show up as a guy in, like, T-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what we were going to get. OK, he's Prince 24-7. Like, <laughs> he showed up ready to be who he is. Like, I wouldn't say he was like the most uh uh accessible guy, but he was very forthcoming.
1: And Steve, tell us about your participation uh, in this episode. Uh, how was it to edit Prince?
8: It's surreal. Yeah. <laughs> you're not sure what you're doing. And you're hoping, you know, I was famously told early on that uh, he doesn't watch himself on hmm. TV oh that's good that's good i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna put something on there that's gonna piss him off because he's never gonna see it yeah (laughs) so that was a nice little protection but um but but no it was it was it was super entertaining and the playlist is i I mean the playlist is so great and we tried i think every song everywhere so i actually couldn't remember exactly where they all shook out i had to actually watch the show last night but no it's
1: great it holds up i watched it last night also it's really fun to watch Um, it really does well let's talk about the playlist and uh your role in it becoming so known uh why did you decide to post it and and when did you do that
8: well it was posted uh after we got the news sadly that he had passed I decided to post it. I thought, you know, my wife suggested it. I thought it was a really good idea. It's a great playlist. I mean, come on, just sort of as a tribute to mm. sort of, you know, him and, you know, everybody was feeling kind of emotional after he passed, you know, whether, even if you were just a fan, even just without a work connection, mm. but, but very quickly I started to hear, you know, first it was just friends. Can I repost? Can I repost? And then very quickly it started to appear in articles and people would send me stuff. I'm such a neophyte with social media. I mean, Parker, you could, you would probably be laughing at me over this. I had no idea that that would happen. What? I put Prince's name on something and people were interested. (laughs) I had no. I'm i not a silly, silly boy. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and Dave, uh, how did you become aware that it had become a known thing? Steve's on my feet.
6: So I think I think when you posted it, I, I I saw it. It was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because it had been a couple of years. And then I put it in my Spotify list and just like it would roll, you know, just background because it really is like, it's not even like the content of the list that's that's amazing. It is. It's the rhythm of each thing into the next mm. thing. Just sort of like, from an editor's standpoint, it, it's got to be like, like one of those perfect things because it really just sort of like has the right dynamics all the way through. It, it's just like one of those magic things where it's like, ah, I'm glad I got that. I'm glad I had that moment of time and I'm glad I have this list.
1: Yeah, it provided yeah. a great soundtrack uh, for me this week as I was putting the show together. It really, sure. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it really told the yep. story. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about you each have Emmy Awards. Uh, they are not from New Girl, from your other uh, work. Uh, what are each of your Emmy experiences like? Uh, Steve, why don't you go first?
8: <laughs> getting award as an editor is is probably a different experience than than other people because you win the award and you give your your speech and and i was very surprised I, my wife and my friends had to say they said your name i think you need to go up there <laughs> so <laughs> i went up there and you get your award and then you go to the back and you're in front of this press pool a big you know a huge press pool of all these press people Nobody really cares about the editor. Nobody really cares. What they're say. <laughs> so they're so they're sort of asking sympathy questions. Uh, did you enjoy winning? <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: well, hold on. I, I guess I should. I guess I should cross that off of my question. Uh, <laughs> and Dave, what about you? You actually won in a very interesting category.
6: <laughs> I got one for my actual job for for writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, actually, we won for best show. Whatever year that was for Thirty Rock, which was funny if you go back and watch the footage of that, it was the year that The Office was nominated. I think The Sopranos was in their category. Like, and it was that year that the the audience was all the way around. It was three. Mm -hmm. It was a um, in the uh, what do they call it in the theater? uh, Thank you. As a theater student, I, I really screwed that up. When they called us, we lost every award. Alec lost, everyone lost. And, and if you watch, no one's wearing their jackets, everyone's shoes are off. It's like we're sort of slumped back in our seats. And uh, when they call their name, it's a mad dash of putting on our stuff. On. But,
0: <laughs> get, your clo- get your clothes back on. You just won an Emmy. Oh, yeah. It's, and we get
6: out there, we look like a bunch of bunch of drunks. I remember. Um, but the one, the other one I won. I, I got my partner and I won. Was we actually produced the titles for United States of Terra. Uh <laughs> We didn't. We didn't actually build them with our hands. Yeah. We did it with with this guy Jamie Caleri but, and his company. But like we we came up with the concept for it. So yes, I also have an. I have two Emmys, but one of them is for titles, and I'm very proud of that. It's a, <laughs> it's a cool titles. Yeah, it, it's better than not winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. All right. It's so wonderful to
1: talk with you. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Kevin about this memorable episode of New Girl. First, we wanted to know uh, in that special episode, what Chaka Khan song, which was slightly adapted from a Stevie Wonder song, plays at a very appropriate time when the main character tells her boyfriend she loves him. Helen, what did Kevin say?
0: Kevin said, I was made to love him.
1: And experts? That is correct. That's correct. That is, that correct. is, that is nice. correct. Very good. <laughs> Uh. adapted from, of course, Stevie Wonder's. So I was made to love her. Uh, all right, a point there for Kevin. Next, we wanted to know, in what enviable time slot did this special episode air, drawing over 26 million viewers? Helen, what did Kevin say? Kevin said 8 p.m. And uh, let's go to Dave on this one. Dave? It premiered after
6: the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl.
1: Ah, after the Super Bowl. Not necessarily at 8 p.m., yes. That's why it was such mm. a special episode oh, that garnered so wow. many extra yep. viewers. yeah. All right, sorry, no point there. And finally, what job did the person who posted the playlist have on this TV show? Helen, what did Kevin say?
0: Kevin said art director.
8: (laughs) And Steve? You can see that's probably not right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Steve is referring to the art direction going on behind him, which uh, let's just say this is a podcast. (laughs) So, Steve, what was the role that the person who posted that playlist had on the show? The picture editor. The picture editor. I'm Mm. sorry, no points there. But uh, before we let you go, Kevin, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our experts, Steve and Dave, while we have them here?
2: Oh, my gosh. You know, I forgot that that was even the origin story of the playlist. (laughs) (laughs) I know I am. So, you know, I've just been listening to this playlist forever. And so I was like,
6: oh, my God. Yeah, that was it.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, no, no, it's a treat. It's a treat to hear
1: you guys and your experience.
6: There's a crazy time. Awesome.
1: We're so happy that you joined us. Uh, If people want to find out more about what you guys have going on, Dave, anything you want to tell us about or where people can find you?
6: We Dave Finkel on Instagram, if you want to check me out. We, like, not the French, but W-E-E. Very cool. And uh, what do you have going on, Steve? Where can people find you? Nobody should be
8: looking for me, really. I mean, (laughs) there's, (laughs) there's, there's nothing to speak. I will plug my next project, though. I'm working with Liz again, the creator of New Girl. She is doing a miniseries about... Elizabeth Holmes The Theranos Trial Oh, oh wow. Very cool So if you're a big very fan good. Of New Girl And Malcolm in the Middle That has absolutely No bearing on what You'll think of the other show <laughs> <Wow>.
1: <laughs> We'll certainly look for that yeah. Awesome Well it was so wonderful To speak with you Thanks so much for joining us It's Dave Finkel And Steve Welch Thank you Thanks for having us Alright Helen What is our score At the end of that round At the end
0: of that round Kevin Allison has five points And Parker Malloy Has one point With a round of questions For Parker coming up
1: That's right We're going to talk with Parker About a topic she knows about. Plus later, Parker and Kevin will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. This week's episode is supported in part by Get Abstract. Get Abstract. It's get and then abstract. Get Abstract. I should probably tell you a little bit more about it. Get Abstract finds, rates, and summarizes the top business books, articles, and video talks into 10-minute abstracts—there it is—to help people make better decisions in business and in their private lives. Get Abstract offers 22,000-plus text and audio summaries in areas such as leadership, finance, innovation, health and science, and more. You are going to love Get Abstract because you can learn a lot in a very short amount of time. You're going to love it even more when it's free. That's right, because you can get a free month of Get Abstract by visiting getab.li, that's G-E-T-A-B dot L-I slash go fact. That's getab.li slash go fact. Get Abstract. Get on it. Get to it. Thank you, Get Abstract. Are you feeling
8: elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Kevin Allison and Parker Malloy. Once again, here's J. Keith
1: Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Parker, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about musicians on the Saddle Creek Records label, Chicago Cubs baseball from 1991 to 2021, and the U.S. Senate from 2000 to 2021. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us about musicians on the Saddle Creek Records label and what that means to you.
4: So Saddle Creek is a... is a great record label a solid indie record label that during high school and college i listened to a lot of the bands on so that just kind of stuck with me some of the artists on there you have uh bands like cursive and bright eyes and the good life and the faint um were some of the ones that at the start of it which was like early 90s mid 90s somewhere around there
1: very cool and do you still listen to those uh, records from that label
4: oh absolutely Some of my favorites, some of my favorites, and I highly recommend them to everyone listening to this.
1: All right. Next, you said you know a lot about Chicago Cubs baseball from 1991 to
3: 2021.
4: Yeah, I do. Um, I love the Cubs. I love the Cubs. I, I love them when they lose. I love them when they win. Baseball itself has been this sort of weird obsession with mine since I was was a kid it got me interested in math because of batting averages (laughs) figuring out fractions and stuff like that so I was always very interested in that very um and and the Cubs being one of one of the two local teams (laughs) my bit of rebellion personal rebellion was uh my dad is a White Sox fan and so I decided I was going to start liking the Cubs
3: whoa I like the Sox
4: too they're fine
1: yeah. Well, fan, <laughs> uh that span includes the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. What was that like for you?
4: Oh, it was great. It was it was a, it was great. Uh it was a great like week. <laughs> 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 week of uh the World Series before the election which kind of right. added a little chaos to everyone's lives.
1: A <laughs> little bit, little uh, bit. Well, speaking of which, you also said you know a lot about the U.S. Senate from 2000 to 2021. I kind of wish I didn't, but I do. (laughs) I uh, I wouldn't I would say that knowing knowing
4: about uh, the Senate and how the Senate works are interests of mine, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily because I enjoy them, just because (laughs) I feel it's important to understand on a personal level. But, you know, I'll just be sitting there reading senators Wikipedia pages because I am strange like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. We we celebrate strangeness and, and the love exactly. that people have, even about things that they kind of don't like, maybe. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. So, Parker, to summarize, you said you know a lot about musicians on the Saddle Creek Records label, Chicago Cubs baseball, 1991 to 2021, and the U.S. Senate, 2000 to 2021. Today, we're going to quiz you about the U.S. Senate from 2000 <laughs> to <right>. 2021. <laughs> Let's try it. And I think I surprised a lot of our listeners by not choosing the Cubs because that is a topic I know and love about. I'm but, shocked, uh, Jake. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to yes. lie.
0: I'm like, I'm slack shot over here.
1: I just had a big birthday recently and my girlfriend got me a cameo from Ryan Sandberg. And uh, Helen cannot appreciate what that means, but I know, Parker, you can.
4: Oh, absolutely. Now in Chicago, you just see his his image when it comes to uh, billboards about hair restoration <laughs> Him and briner lacquer now covering all of the all of the highways. It's weird. <laughs> he didn't mention that in
1: the cameo video he made for me, but uh, maybe, wasn't maybe like, they didn't pay my enough. Hair. I don't know. It it is yeah. great. <laughs> um, let's talk about the U.S. Senate from 2000 2021. Why the Senate, not the House?
4: The House has...
1: Too many characters. Okay. <laughs> and you the to limit the, the story Senate's line. a
4: little more manageable okay. and, and and does a whole lot less.
1: <laughs> well, there must be something that gives you joy about the Senate. Do you have do you have favorite senators? Do you have favorite aspects of the US Senate during that era?
4: I wouldn't say I have favorite senators. I mean, I, I like senators who can communicate on on Twitter in mm-hmm. in a in a way that doesn't make them sound evil or robotic. Yeah. Which is a challenge for people and you know politicians especially mm-hmm. so so there are a few senators who, who can use twitter pretty well and listen to concerns and complaints and whatnot from constituents but you know i love
1: them all equally like my children
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or, or perhaps your or perhaps your stepchildren all right well just ahead we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points but before that to let you show your low here are five trivia questions about the topic each worth one Point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Kevin, do listen closely because if Parker answers incorrectly, you can steal. Kevin. By the way, how much do you know about the U.S. Senate from 2000 to 2021? Oh my gosh. I, the the only thing I know is are the ones that I like
2: drive me the craziest you know okay the, the ones i want to strangle the most
1: <laughs> okay well ho- hopefully hopefully we, that will not come up as an opportunity in this segment you all right parker. service ends up at yeah exactly right. exactly yeah we should just we should just say for the record we are not threatening any physical harm to any elected official we respect their service sounds Ugh. like
4: something someone who's threatening physical harm oh would say. god i can't win
1: <laughs> my god let's get to the quiz before i get in more trouble they knock the door down parker here's question. Question number one, becoming a senator is a huge accomplishment, but some senators want more, as several of them who served between 2000 and 2021 also ran for president, but only two of them won. Name one of them. Uh, Barack Obama. Helen. That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. Barack Obama. The other uh, someone named Joe Biden. Joe Biden also was a senator during that time and won the presidency. Fun fact, some of the senators who served during this period and ran for president unsuccessfully include John McCain, Hillary Clinton, Al Gore, John Kerry, Rand Paul and Fred Thompson. All right. Here's question number two. Parker, there are only two senators who served the entire span of your topic, 2000 to 2021. One is a Republican from Iowa. The other, a Republican from Kentucky. Name either of these long-serving senators.
4: Chuck Grassley and Mitch
1: McConnell. Oh, a little bonus answer, both Helen. Both of them.
0: Both of those are correct.
1: Oh, uh, very good. Uh, and uh, I don't know if Helen wants to give an extra point or half point for getting both of them. That's up to her. No. Nope.
0: Okay. <laughs>
4: Those names should not be associated with bonus points.
0: (laughs) Well,
1: they also might not be associated with fun. And yet here's the fun fact. McConnell has been in the Senate since 1985, Grassley since 1981. The record for the longest serving senator is Robert Byrd, who served for over 51 years from 1959 to 2010. Parker, here's question number three. Between 2000 and 2021, there have been seven members of the Senate who were not born in the United States, including five currently serving. But which of these countries is not the birthplace of any of these senators? Is it Canada, Japan, India, France, or Panama Canal Zone?
4: I know it's not Canada because that's Ted Cruz was born in Canada, Panama Canal Zone, John McCain was born in. um, Can I get a hint?
1: Helen, how about that first
4: hint?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. India is the birthplace of a current U.S. Senator.
1: Let's go with Japan. Helen?
0: That is not correct.
1: No, I'm terribly sorry. Kevin Allison with a chance to steal. Kevin, I think you might know this one. France? Helen?
0: That is correct. That hey. is correct. Wow, Kevin.
1: Kevin, you really know your U.S. Senate from <laughs> 2000 to 2021. <laughs> Fun fact. uh, Tammy Duckworth, uh, who's currently serving, was born in Thailand. Chris Van Hollen from Pakistan. Ted Cruz from Canada. Maisie Hirono was born in Japan. Michael Bennett was born in India. And uh, the previously serving ones, Mel Martinez, was born in Cuba. And John McCain, as you mentioned Panama Canal Zone. All right, Parker, let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. January of 2000 saw the meeting of the second session of the 106th Congress. What is the number of the current congressional meeting which began its first session in January of 2021?
4: 117. Helen? That is correct.
1: That is correct. Wow. Very nice job. Did you happen to know that or did you figure that out from the uh, the math?
4: No, I knew that. I wasn't sure if it was 117th or 118th, but uh, 17th it
1: was. Very impressive. Fun fact, the current Senate, the 106th Congress, has three members who have a twin sibling, one senator who has been an astronaut and one senator whose name rhymes with the state they represent, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. All right, Parker, <laughs> here is question number five. Fun I, and, and, and random. Fun and random. One, one day we will get Senator Blalifornia. Um, All right, here's question number five, Parker. You do still have that hint available. The Senate's job is to pass legislation, but sometimes it might seem that their job is to delay passage of legislation, such as in 2013 when Senator Ted Cruz took to the floor to speak for more than 21 hours. During that long speech, during that long (laughs) speech, what classic children's book did Senator Cruz read out loud and what issue was he protesting?
4: Uh, Green eggs and ham. Mm Mm-hmm. And he wanted to uh,
1: defund the Affordable Care Act. Helen? That is correct. That is exactly correct. Very nice job on a number five question. Uh, You did not use the hint in that question, but I know, Helen, you were very eager to read that hint. What would that hint have been? (laughs) He could not, would
0: not make a vote. He could not, would not in a boat. He did not like the health program. He (laughs) did not like it. Ted, I am.
1: Thank you, Helen Hong. <laughs> yes, we all remember the health program. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> during a long filibuster the same year, Florida Senator Marco Rubio quoted Wiz Khalifa, Jay-Z, and Mario Puzo's The Godfather during his long speech. All right, Parker, you did quite well in that round, but now here's your high-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Parker, in 2021, Alex Padilla was appointed by Governor Gavin Newsom to represent California in the U.S. Senate. Before that, California was represented exclusively by women during the entire time period of your topic. For up to three points, who are these three women who have represented California in the U.S. Senate over these 20 years?
4: Um, You got Kamala Harris, Dianne Feinstein, and... Mm -hmm. uh, Barbara Boxer.
1: All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is the author of several books who from 1983 to 1993 represented California in the House of Representatives. And from 1993 to 2017 in the United States Senate, it's Senator Barbara Boxer. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Parker. Hello, Senator. Thank you for joining us
1: well it's a pleasure oh it's an honor to meet you and to have you join us uh when we spoke yesterday and i uh mentioned what your introduction was going to be you said you know i also spent six years as the marin county board of supervisors yeah. uh, so i want to make sure to get that yeah, in no. uh, how, how did that compare to uh your work in the house and senate the, the way the board of supervisors ran well
7: you're one of five so it's a mm-hmm. little different just you know, <laughs> annoying two other people until they say, OK, <laughs> compared to what I had to do with the house and said it. Yeah. Yeah. You actually
1: <laughs> didn't win the first time that you ran uh, for that office. What, what did you learn from that experience? Because you kept winning after that.
7: Well, a couple of things. One, to be more humble mm-hmm. and recognize that, you know, maybe I didn't know everything, <laughs> which at that <laughs> age I thought I did. And the <laughs> second one had to do with fundraising. And a very quick story is um I was running out of money and um, my finance team said, we have to write a letter asking for money. And I said, I can't stand it. It's so humiliating. And so eventually I agreed and on one condition that I could only ask for two dollars. The money came in the door and I ripped open one of the envelopes from the, one of the wealthiest women in the county. Mm-hmm. Dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that and will keep I, you humble, I, huh?
7: It kept me humble and it taught me. As for what you need you know uh,
1: <laughs> great lesson there yeah I've actually been a longtime supporter and actually uh, it's been a bit, bit of a family affair My sister volunteered for one of your very early campaigns we had a boxer bumper sticker uh, on our car and she actually brought home some boxer boxer shorts that, <laughs> that, I, that I recall she's a very clever marketing do you remember those uh, those boxer boxer shorts
7: not only do I remember them, but I nabbed about four pairs, which I still wear. <laughs> and um, so, yes, Boxster merchandise was a big part of our campaigns. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite items. The other one was a nightshirt that said, vote for Barbara Boxer. You'll sleep better at night. (laughs) Ah. And and they were big sellers, you know, 25 bucks in the door. Nice.
1: You generally have a better chance of convincing someone to vote for someone when they're looking at your boxers like you. You you have become a teacher since your retirement uh, from the Senate. You joined the USC Center for the Political Future. Um, Tell us about this class you taught, which I believe was called All Politics is Personal.
7: Well, all politics is personal was my very first class that I taught. Mm -hmm. The overall name was demystifying politics. Mm. But the reason I wanted you to mention the first class, which is all politics is personal, is that is such a truism a lot of people they think of it as so mystical why is one person a democrat another person a this or that a republican it has to do with their own personal lens Mm. how do they see the world what happened to them as kids Mm. you know what's their story and i think that is overlooked and also of course the personal story of the candidate which i always hated telling my story because i thought it was boring but (laughs) When someone I remember this gentleman sat next to me at a fundraiser and he said, Tell me about your politics. And I started to go into issues I'm for education. I'm for this mm-hmm. environment. Pro-choice I said, No, what is your story? And when I told him that I was a first generation on my mother's side and my father was the first one in the family to ever get a degree, he said, Well, that's the story people need to hear. Mm. So I think the personal story of the candidate and the personal life of the voter that is what has to harmonize.
0: What's the biggest thing that you lament? Because you've been in public service for a long time and, you know, and you were in the House decades ago. Like, what's the biggest thing that that changed for you that you're like, oh, that's so sad that it's, it's a bummer now that that changed?
7: I think the biggest change is, and I'm just going to be blunt with you, mm-hmm. is the Republican Party is in shadow of its former self. I mean, When I started running way back when, and the reason I mentioned Board of Supervisors is that was the 70s. And guess what? In those years, I know you might not believe me, but Republicans were taking the leadership on the environment. Mm. You know, it was Richard Nixon who signed all those landmark environmental laws. George Herbert Walker Bush was on the board of Planned Parenthood. So so, I don't believe you. (laughs) But I am telling you, it's the truth. And and the fact is now we're in our corners and there can it's so difficult to come together. And so I lament the fact that uh, we can't come together because I passed a thousand things, literally a thousand things, good things. And I couldn't have done it without help from the other side, because that's the way the rules are.
1: Well, let's talk about some of the the issues that you worked on uh, when you were uh, in service. I I was just amazed looking back on a lot of the issues, how, how many of them you seem to have been on the right side of way before other people were. It's now commonplace, but you fought to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. You're against the Defense of Marriage Act. You fought for environmental issues and against climate change. You voted against the invasion of Iraq. You got an F from the NRA and 100% from the Children's Defense Fund. You supported Anita Hill in the Clarence Thomas hearings, and you wrote legislation establishing the first ever federal funding for after-school programs. I'm going to hold for applause from our, uh, from our <laughs> listening audience.
0: yeah. I'm pumping my fist. Hell yeah. <laughs> fists. Hell yeah.
1: It, it, it's uncanny. From what I read in my studies here, it, uh, it says that there were 540 bills that you sponsored or co-sponsored that became law. I imagine it's a wonderful feeling to know that you actually were able to make a difference. Um, were there any of those bills that, that were your favorite, the things that you're most proud of?
7: I think the first funding for after-school care because there was mm-hmm. no federal funding. And I remember working with President Clinton on that because he had done like a little pilot project Mm-hmm. from the executive branch. And I said, well, we need to make this work. And what was the most interesting thing is I teamed up with a Republican colleague I knew I had to, John Ensign. And mm-hmm. um, he said, Barbara, I yes, I want to work with you And I said, tell me why. What's your personal story? Why do you want to do this? And he explained that he came from a broken home as a kid and he got in all sorts of trouble after school. So that's when I say all politics is personal. And having the two of us on that bill You know, it brought it home.
0: I am proud to live in California, a state that has had women representative, you know, like exclusively women senators until this very year. And but when you started, there was far fewer women and you were part of a very small minority. And what was that like? And what were some of the things that you had to deal with being one of the only women in government?
7: You know, you tried not to think about it, but you had to think about it because, um so many policies were made without women at the table. And so when they did, for example, health care, the men would sit around the table and decide everything. And women were left out of clinical trials. We mm. never were in clinical trials. They just assumed whatever worked out for the guy's health would work out for our health. No, <laughs> not true. You know, the other thing that that hit me like a ton of bricks, actually, when I when I got uh, to the House of Representatives, which I think I was one of 23 out of 435 mm. is how much the women in the country were relying on us. So we became not just House members and senators from certain states, but we had to take on a much larger portfolio. Mm. Last point I make is when when I got in, in and I know Parker's an expert on this, uh, the year the woman, which was 1992. Uh, everyone said, Oh, is this is fantastic. This is so wonderful. There'll be no more discrimination against women. It's such a year. The women's we went from two to six. <laughs> so we did triple our numbers, but this was not the revolution. And, you know, it's it's it was kind of that way with sub- electing Barack Obama, our first African-American press. Oh, everything is solved. No more racism. Nothing. So we just have to be careful that when these things happen, they can't they can't be treated as such an earth shattering situation because you still have the problems behind it.
1: Something that you and I have in common, which I was uh, very happy to learn, is that you and I both appeared on Gilmore Girls and on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Of- uh, your your scenes did not get cut from one of those shows, uh, <laughs> but, but you've done a bunch of cameos on Murphy Brown, Parks and Recreation. You were in the movie yep. Traffic, as well as Gilmore Girls and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, any of them particularly memorable or fun for you?
7: Oh, Curb. Yeah. I mean, Larry David is a genius. You know, I'm not an actress, but Mm -hmm. of course, I played myself on the walk in. And he doesn't have a script. He calls you together and he just says, here's the plot. Now, just be yourself. How would you act? And he was very pleased with it. I my husband was with me. My husband was absolutely hysterical. And after I did that, you know, fast forward a few months after it was shown, I'd get stopped at the Capitol and people would go, are you Senator Boxer? And I'd say, <laughs> yes. And he said, oh, I'm a real fan of yours. And I go, oh, great. What legislation did you like? <laughs> Soyon Kern. Whatever
1: works. Yeah. But
7: I love to do those things because, you know, when you represent a state like mine, that's the entertainment industry. Sure. Is one of the biggest. And I wanted to support it. And I always had a lot of fun doing it, you know.
1: Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, I recently ran for public office. I was elected to my neighborhood council here in the Mid-City West Neighborhood Council of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that applause. That's about as many votes as I got as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what advice do you have for me or for others who are just entering public service about how to actually get things done? Because mostly it's a lot of long Zoom calls.
7: You have to lay out very clearly how you're going to reach your objective. Mm-hmm. So if you have a specific thing you want to accomplish in the neighborhood... I don't know. Let's just say it's cleanup or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm making it up. Then you have to just work with everybody else and say, okay, what's the one top thing you want to do to get this neighborhood to really clean up its act? And how do we do it? And and let people think it's all their idea. (laughs) Um, Do not take credit. Sit back and say, oh, my God, Greg, you're a genius. You know, (laughs) put the ego aside. Make it a togetherness thing and get the plan, write it down and get it done.
1: It sounds like I also have to get someone named Greg to be on the board also. That'll be my next step. (laughs) Uh, Senator, it's been such a a treat to talk with you. Let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question we asked of Parker. We wanted to know who were the three women who have represented California in the U.S. Senate between 2000 and 2021. Helen, what was the first answer that Parker gave us? Parker said Kamala Harris. And Senator? Senator?
7: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely correct. In fact, I believe she took over your seat after you retired.
7: Yes. And I supported her when she ran, you know, so that was great.
1: Awesome. All right. That's a point there for Parker. What was the next answer that Parker gave us, Helen? Parker said Diane Feinstein. And Senator? 100% right. 100% right. And still serving today. Another point for Parker. And finally, what was the third answer that Parker gave us, Helen? Parker said Barbara Boxer. And Living and breathing proof.
3: Uh. Living, living,
1: breathing proof, indeed. Awesome. A clean sweep of the cluster for Parker. Uh, Parker, before we let Barbara Boxer go, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to the senator while we have her here?
4: I think that your record kind of speaks for itself, especially your votes on uh, nominees during the Bush era. I, I appreciate those. I support those. That you filibustered John Bolton, voted against Alito and Roberts. Well, thank I you.
7: That.
1: That's all. Well, it's been uh, so wonderful to speak with you. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on. If people want to find out more about what you're up to, Senator Boxer, where can they do that?
7: Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Barbara Boxer. <laughs>
1: Excellent. We're so happy that you joined us. I can't believe someone I voted for is here on the show. It's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Senator Barbara Boxer. It's an
7: honor. Thanks. Bye, everybody.
1: Helen, what is our scores? we head into the final round? At
0: the end of that round, Kevin Ellison has six points and Parker Malloy has eight points
1: all right now it is time for our final round we call fast facts i'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false i'll start with kevin and alternate between each guest each correct answer is worth one point and again the answer to each statement is true or false here we begin kevin burt reynolds starred in smoky and the bandit true correct parker burt reynolds starred in boogie nights true Correct. Kevin, Burt Reynolds won an Academy Award for Boogie Nights. True.
0: Incorrect. No,
1: No. he was nominated but did not win. No. no. Uh, (laughs) It's okay, baby. We'll move (laughs) on. Parker, Burt Reynolds turned down the role in Boogie Nights seven times. True. Correct. Kevin, Burt Reynolds turned down the role of James Bond. True. Correct. Parker, Burt Reynolds turned down the role of Han Solo in Star Wars. True. Correct. Kevin, Burt Reynolds turned down the role of John McClane in Die Hard. False.
0: Incorrect. No, he really did. Oh, no.
1: Parker, Burt Reynolds turned down the role of Michael Corleone in The Godfather. True. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Kevin, Burt Reynolds turned down Jack Nicholson's role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. False.
0: Incorrect. No, he really oh, did. Oh, my
1: God. Parker, Burt <laughs> Reynolds turned down Jack Nicholson's role in Terms of Endearment. No. True. True.
0: Correct. <laughs>
1: Kevin, Jack Nicholson won Oscars for both of those roles. True. Correct. <laughs> Parker, but Burt Reynolds had six People's Choice Awards. True. <laughs>
4: Correct.
1: Kevin, and Jack Nicholson has none. True.
3: Correct. Alright,
1: we're not going to count those last few. Helen is going to tabulate the final score. By the way, Burt Reynolds did win an Emmy and two Golden Globes. He also was the number one box office draw for five years in a row, so he must have done something right, even though he turned those roles down. Alright, Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's game?
0: I am. At the end of the game, Kevin Allison has eight points and Parker Malloy has 13 points.
1: Parker, oh. Oh. Okay, you did very well, especially in that uh, true or false round. Parker Congratulations. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? I will think about it all the time. I will cherish oh. it. will be close to my heart. I will. Those are three different things. Yeah. Oh, no. Keep going. Yeah. I want to hear what uh, else. I will. <laughs>
4: uh, I'd like to thank Burt Reynolds for turning down okay. all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: As we all should. All right, I want to give everyone on the show a chance to uh, promote anything they might like. Uh, Kevin, where can people find you and your work? Well, you can find everything I do at risk show.com or just look on your podcast player for risk. Excellent. Uh, It's such a wonderful show. I've been listening for years and we're so happy to have you uh, today, Kevin, Allison, everybody. Uh, Parker Malloy, where can people find you and what you're up to? You can find me on
4: Twitter at Parker Malloy. Please sign up for my newsletter at readthepresentage.com.
1: Congratulations on that endeavor. I'm sure it's going to be a great success, and I will see you on Twitter (laughs) as well. And Parker is still pumping her hands in in, in the championship pose. She's very, very happy, and we're happy for her. Uh, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Ms. Helen Hong. Helen, which of your many projects would you like to let our listeners know about today?
0: Uh, You could just follow me on the socials at funny. Helen Hong, because as you all know, there's another Helen Hong out there and she ain't funny. Mm-mm.
1: Nope, nope, nope. But you are. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. Uh, and me. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Kevin Allison, Parker Malloy, Dave Finkel, Steve Welch, and Senator Barbara Boxer. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night like what you hear come see us live someday I don't know it'll be free go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets meanwhile please like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter and Instagram all at gofactorpod update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our t-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com and give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform like quack damn you did on podcast addict he she or they said always goes right to the top of my playlist Helen and Jake Heath are fun hosts and good people to boot Thanks, quack damn you. Helen, we're good people,
6: to boot.
0: Oh, thank you, quack damn you. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J.K. Van Stratton, and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by by Mike Avianos and Clint Tauscher. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Raven Snook, Sonia Weiser, Sherry Hazlitt, Jonathan Bayless, Dave Bianchi, and Christine Vallada. Special thanks to Doug Boxer, Nicole Burak, Pat Francis, and Craig Bernstein at A3 Artists Agency. I've been Helen Hong!
1: Let's go listen to Prince's Playlist!
0: While watching the Senate?
1: That has to be a first.
5: (laughs) (laughs) MaximumFun.org.
1: Comedy and culture.
5: Artist owned. Audience supported.